0: This is Growing Pulse Crops, and I'm your host, Tim Hammerich. Today, on Episode 2, we visit Williston, North Dakota, farmer Ryan Ellis to hear about the preparation he's been doing for the upcoming season. Then we talk to North Dakota State University weed scientist Dr. Brian Jenks about pre-plant options to control weeds and pulses. If you're new to Pulse Crops, they include crops such as field peas, chickpeas, and lentils. This show follows some Pulse Crop farmers through the growing season and dives into the research that's helping them through some of the challenges they face. We'll also talk to a number of industry stakeholders along the way. Pulse growers have very limited options to control weeds with in-crop herbicide applications, so they have to plan ahead and be proactive as they prepare to plant their crops. Ryan Ellis farms about 5,000 acres with his father, and they currently grow durum, peas, lentils, soybeans, flax, and forages. Although we won't plan a crop until the spring, considerations have to start clear back in June of last year.
1: So most of my planning happens the last June when I'm um, figuring out what I'm going to spray on typically my cereal acres, my wheat, and we had some oats last year. So uh, certain group chemicals that that you can spray on durum you can't plant pulses on the next year. And so I generally plan out at least a rough idea of what I'm growing the following year based on what I spray the previous year. And so we get a lot of uh, like pigeon grass. So green and yellow foxtail and wild oats. Uh, There's getting to be a lot of resistance in that. And especially in group one chemicals, but the group ones have very, have no carryover restrictions on pulse ground. So they're the ones you want to use, but there's a lot of resistance showing up uh, for various grassy weeds So then your other, your next option are group two chemicals. So I kind of try to figure out what I want to grow the following year so I can decide what I should spray in 2019. Same thing goes with um, broadleaf weeds too. There's a lot of certain ones have pretty significant, you know, 18 month to two year restrictions where you can't grow a pulse on them. So it probably started last June (laughs) and, uh, Otherwise, we just clean up a lot of our own seed. And then I do, um, we spray pre-emergence chemicals in the fall or try to for, especially on lentil ground, because the better chemical that we use needs to be sprayed in the fall. Otherwise, it can damage the crop too much the following year if you don't get it on early enough. Last year was a train wreck with all the rain that we got starting in September. So um, I did I did some really late spraying uh, like towards the end of November and uh, got some stuff down for the lentils this year. And for the peas, I'm not exactly sure what I'm gonna do. There's one that you can spray but we don't have a lot of good luck with it. Sometimes it works great, sometimes it doesn't. And But that might be my only option this year if you don't put a pre down you're basically uh yeah it's almost like organic because you just know that you're going to have a lot of weeds
0: ryan and his father have been growing pulses for nearly 20 years He says they started with green peas and green lentils and just haven't looked back. You heard me talk about how many different crops they grow, so they are able to be strategic in their rotation. However, it's still critical that they understand and utilize the chemical tools at their disposal. I asked him to share more details about which herbicides were working for him.
1: Valor, I guess it was a generic called Panther. Um, Valor is the chemical name. And then there's Prowl H2O is uh, is the one that you can spray in the spring. You can spray it in the fall too. It seems to like it works better if you spray it in the fall, but uh, I've just I've never had a lot of great luck with it. But it's definitely another option. And then I think there's a new Valor label or a new Valor EZ or formulation that's labeled for spring use and peas. So um, if the snow leaves here pretty soon we warm up a little bit, I might actually try to get some of that down as early as I can. Give it a try. I I just I've liked Valor a lot better for weed control. Seems to work better.
0: Ryan mentioned the snow. In a place like North Dakota, you don't always get a very long growing season. Luckily, Ryan said they've never not had a window in which they can get a spring application down. However, they have found ways to get creative when necessary.
1: So in peas, a lot of times what we do like the last few years, we we seed them and they take a long time to come out of the ground, a couple weeks usually, especially if it and if it's the colder days might take almost a month for them to come out. So we'll seed them and then we'll wait as long as we dare as long as the weather looks like it's going to hold and then we just let um you know if we can wait a week or 10 days and then we do our burn down so it's pre pre pre-emerge you know you do your roundup and then if you're going to do a pre then that you didn't get on in the fall i'd do that at the same time so that'll probably be the what we do and then you just hope that it works there are some in crop chemicals you can use but They're either kind of expensive or they don't work all that well, but there's uh, Raptor, which is the same formulation as Beyond, which is what the Clearfield varieties use. Raptor and Beyond, as far as I know, are basically the same thing. One just, Beyond is not labeled in peas. Raptor is one that's labeled for peas. And then Basagran is another chemical. So those two you're supposed to kind of mix together, I guess, and you're supposed to get it when the weeds are small. And then I think you're supposed to follow up 10 days later again or something, but we've never really done it. It's pretty expensive and it's hit or miss whether it works, but I, I, I have, my cousin's done it the last couple of years and had really good luck with it. So I suppose that'd be an option. And there's metribuzin, I think is a old chemical that you is labeled for it. Um, never used it in, I tried it once in front of lentils pre-emerge, um, seemed to have hurt them pretty bad. So I don't know if I'd do it in lentils, but maybe I'd try it in peas, but pursuit is another old chemical that's labeled um, for pulses as a pre-emerge. But if you have canola in your rotation, the carryover restrictions on canola is like 40 months. So most people um, have kind of gone away from pursuit. Kosha is kind of the main weed that we're trying to keep down in the pulses.
0: As Ryan is battling the kochia in the Williston area, not too terribly far away, Dr. Brian Jenks is a weed scientist at the NDSU North Central Research Extension Center in Minot. He's worked there for 22 years and says he enjoys helping farmers as they try to learn together. I asked him what he's seeing out there that's working for pulse growers trying to fight weed problems.
2: Well, the the good thing about pulse growers is that most of them already have a a good rotation or they're they're working toward a good rotation in that they typically don't just grow one or two crops. They typically have maybe even three or four or more crops in their rotation. And so that's a good thing. And and so in order to beat the weeds, we do need to start out with good crop rotation and diversity in in the crops so that we don't allow the weeds to see the same practices over and over at the same time every year you know they might a weed might see a different planting date or a different herbicide application date a different harvest date and so on and and so variability or diversity in the rotation and in the practices definitely helps combat weeds so that we're not doing the same thing over and over
0: As Brian says, diverse and varied rotations is definitely step one, but there are also other cultural practices that farmers can do to proactively manage weeds.
2: Well, yeah, definitely the the rotation starts first. One of the things that we did find when we were doing some work with lentils was where we increased the lentil seeding rate. You know, maybe if you're trying to cut back on, on seed and maybe you go with a different or a lower seeding rate, we found that if you actually bumped up the seeding rate, the crop was more competitive with the weeds. And sometimes lentils are one of the more sensitive crops to herbicides. And so occasionally you get a little bit of crop injury, but we found that the more plants there were, you know, more survived. And so by increasing that seeding rate, we're actually overcoming in a way that Herbicide injury, if there was any, and coming up with about 400 pounds extra yield. So, say if somebody was planting about 12 plants per square foot, by bumping up the seeding rate to about 18 plants per square foot, that's how we were able to obtain a little bit better yield and uh, overcome any possible herbicide injury. So, bumping up that seeding rate is one practice that we can do. Some other things we've also been looking at is the the timing of our herbicides some of our problem weeds are winter annuals and so in the past we've tried to focus on controlling them in the spring but because we know that they are germinating in the fall we know that fall is probably a better time to control some of these weeds and so We've put extra emphasis on controlling weeds in the fall, such as narrowleaf hawksbeard and horseweed, uh, false chamomile, prickly lettuce, uh, some of those winter annuals, and we definitely have been seeing better weed control by focusing some of our efforts in the fall instead of waiting till spring.
0: You've now heard from both Brian and farmer Ryan Ellis earlier about the importance of a fall application. I asked Brian to elaborate a little bit on why this is an advantage if you still need to do a spring application either way.
2: In a way, it it doesn't completely take away any spring applications, but what it does is if you can take out even, you know, 60 to 90% of those weeds in the fall, then that means there are fewer plants in the spring to contend with. And one of the challenges that we have, for example, with kochia, when a kochia plant drops its seeds, it may drop just hundreds and hundreds of seeds in one small area. And so you might have 100 plants in a square foot. And so when you come in in the spring to try and control those 100 plants in that square foot, you know there are so many that they're kind of covering each other up. Even if you, you were to bump up your spray volume, you may not be able to, to get the spray on every plant adequately in order to take those out. And so, by spraying in the fall, uh, putting out a fall application, then there's enough herbicide there in the spring to take out 60, 70, 80, 90% of those plants. And so, instead of dealing with 100 plants per square foot, maybe you're only dealing with 20 plants per square foot. And then that makes your spring application, your spring burn down with Roundup and whatever else you have in the tank with the Roundup, makes it more effective because you're spraying fewer plants. Now, kochia obviously is not a winter annual, it's a spring annual. But by doing this, we've been able to control a lot of the winter annuals as well as kochia early in the spring.
0: Now, does the timing Change the type of application farmers should use, or are these just the same herbicides used twice—once in the fall and then back again in the spring?
2: No, it's actually different. Now it's going to depend on the crop that we're we're rotating to, but generally we would come in the fall with say Roundup. We might also uh, include maybe a 2,4-D or a Sharpen to help control weeds that are emerged and then we include Valor in the tank in order to provide residual control. So what happens is we've got Roundup and say 2,4-D or Sharpen in the tank to control the weeds that are emerged in the fall. We have Valor in the tank to control weeds that will germinate later. So we might target you know, anywhere from uh, late September to uh, mid-October or so timeframe So we've got a couple of products that control what's emerged, and then the Valor to control what emerges later. And we've been quite successful with that to take out a lot of those winter annuals and then have enough residual as well to take out a lot of those early emerging kochia plants in the spring. By doing that, uh, we start out a lot cleaner, and we know with our pulse crops, we we don't have a lot of post-emergence options especially with chickpeas and lentils. And so that's, that's why it's so important to start as clean as we can.
0: Like everything in farming, there is no one-size-fits-all. This approach will be very effective in some cases, but not necessarily in all cases. Brian cites some instances where maybe it's not the right fit.
2: If maybe the, the weed density was really excessive and didn't quite get all the weeds controlled, Maybe for whatever unexplainable reason, you know, maybe the Valor didn't quite control the weeds that we expected it to or as as well as we expected it to. But I I would say 90% of the people I have talked to have been happy with this manner of uh, trying to control weeds in the western part of the state. Now, we have to remember that what I'm talking about is unique to the western part of the state, western part of North Dakota, because it's primarily no-till. this The same thing that I'm talking about uh, for any, any people that are growing peas in the eastern part of the state may not work the same way because they're using conventional tillage. We need to distinguish that. In conventional tillage, yes, you probably would not need to do this because you're using tillage to take out those winter annual weeds. And so more of your problem weeds are going to be spring annual weeds, and, and you probably wouldn't do the fall application unless you're targeting, say, a Canada thistle, a, a perennial weed, uh, which we see much better control of Canada thistle when we spray a good rate of Roundup in the fall to try and take those out. Uh, but so so the, the way we target the weeds would be a little bit different in the east where we've got conventional tillies than we do in the west with no-till.
0: Another place where this fall application can come in handy, as Ryan mentioned, is not worrying about residue sticking around when the crop comes out because you have months in between in a whole winter. And because in some cases, dryness can impact the level of effectiveness of the spring applications.
2: The last three years in Minot, we have been bone dry in the spring. We are praying for rain in April and May, especially because you know, we've, we've, we need those soil-applied herbicides to be activated by rain. And so if we're putting on those soil-applied herbicides in the the first week of May, second week of May, we need a a good half-inch, three-quarter-inch rain soon after application to get those herbicides activated. And if we don't get that rainfall, then those soil-applied herbicides don't work near as well. Now, there have been other parts of the state, even further west, some years where the Ray area, Williston, maybe they get a little bit more rainfall than we do in Minot. But definitely the last three years we have been very dry in the Minot area.
0: Because the types of weeds that pulse growers battle are going to be different from region to region, Brian details the major problems in his area of western North Dakota.
2: The weeds that growers are having, the most questions about, I guess, are the ones that we target. For example, the last few years, we've been seeing a lot of problems with narrowleaf hawksbeard in the western part of the state and in eastern Montana. And so we've spent uh, some time focusing on that one. Uh, Horseweed is another one that has shown up. It's tended to be a problem. It didn't used to be a problem, but now it is glyphosate resistant. And so we have needed to find some other solutions for it. Kosha is another glyphosate-resistant weed that has been around forever, but because it's glyphosate-resistant, we again need to find some different solutions for for that weed. Also, wild oat and green foxtail, we've got more and more resistance showing up with those, uh, specifically to group 1 and group 2 herbicides. So those are some of the areas that we've been focusing on for pulse crops.
0: Brian mentioned the R word there, Resistance. We're going to focus on resistance on a future episode of this podcast, so please make sure you're subscribed in your favorite podcast player. To round out this conversation, though, on pre-plant applications, I asked Brian if there were any new chemistries that might bail us out of this challenge with glyphosate resistance.
2: Unfortunately not. There are very few new chemistries coming out anymore. There is one new chemistry. It will be renewed to the market. It's a herbicide called Tuff that was labeled about 20 years ago, but then Syngenta took it off the market, likely due to limited sales, especially after Roundup Ready systems came to the market. So I think it was about in 2003 or 2004 when Tuff was removed from the market. And there is a Belgium company called Belgium that is actually bringing it back to the market unfortunately it is not going to be available probably or at least registered until july of this year of 2020 and so it wouldn't be available for use until 2021 now this herbicide called tough is only used for chickpea but it will be a valuable product in that it controls broadleaf weeds uh, will control kochia pigweed quarters, and several other weeds. Unfortunately, it does not control wild buckwheat, which is a big weed in in the pulse crop area of western North Dakota, Uh, but it will be a good product for us to have. We don't know what the price is going to be. Hopefully, it will be reasonable, Uh, but that will be probably the only new chemistry that we'll be seeing in the foreseeable future coming into uh, pulse crops.
0: Well, thank you so much to Dr. Brian Jenks and to Ryan Ellis for taking the time to be part of the Growing Pulse Crops podcast. We'll check back in with both of those guys later in the growing season as we talk about resistance and in-crop herbicide options. We have a lot more great information coming your way through the 2020 growing season. Please subscribe and tell a friend who's also interested in pulses. This show is brought to you by the Pulse Crops Working Group with support from the North Central IPM Center. We're releasing two of these every month throughout the growing season, so we look forward to bringing you your next episode very soon.